Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. By the time most people are listening to this, they'll probably be in a turkey coma. Oh, you think so? I mean, a, tur- a turkey coma that lasts all the way until Monday? Depends how many leftovers you have. Well, I don't eat turkey during the holidays That's because true. I'm a pesky pescatarian. I'll probably just eat fish or something. What kind of fish would you make for Thanksgiving? Uh, halibut. Like a, a white fish that you can season with the turkey stuff, like rosemary. It could be oh, shockingly good. That would be really good, actually. I have to try that sometime. This is my favorite holiday, Nadia. I think I might have said this on this podcast before. Is it? Are you with uh, friends this year? Uh, yes, we're doing... A little bit of a Friendsgiving. Actually, my partner's parents are coming over. But Oh, cool. It's my favorite holiday because it's a holiday where you just eat. It's great. Lovely. You eat and you watch football, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't usually watch the football, actually, despite really? the fact that I am a, a football liker. Because <laughs> usually the games are really bad. They're really good. Everyone's too drunk on turkey and yams to really play well. The Detroit Lions are always bad. Uh-huh. And the Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't want to watch them. <laughs> does Dallas Cowboys, does that mean they're good or bad, or just the Dallas Cowboys? They're just the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody likes the Dallas Cowboys. They are who they are. Even the Dallas Cowboys fans don't like the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Even they hate themselves as they run down the field. Yeah, exactly. So usually I watch a very cozy holiday movie. I think I'm going to watch the Beatles, uh, the Beatles documentary. Oh, that's a good idea. I don't know if I'd yeah. ever watch that, but uh sounds like a good uh, cozy choice. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. So, And, you know, my partner's uh, family will be there, and they're big Beatles people, so I uh, think they'll so enjoy you, it. You have to watch something more family-appropriate, too. You have to make yeah, sure you're watching yeah. the good stuff. I've been kind of catching up on all of the movies I missed. I finally saw Dune last night, which was rad. It's a great movie. Highly recommend. I tried to read the book. I got lost really quickly. I don't know if the movie is worth seeing or not. Oh, yeah, you should see the movie. Okay, good to know. Timothy Chalamet is alarmingly pretty. Yeah, I noticed he's very anime in this. Yeah, I know. Like, I just like that bone structure. It's hypnotic. Extremely hypnotic. Did you know he used to customize Xbox 360 controllers? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, he had a YouTube channel dedicated to it. Wow, that's quite a, a jump from that to that. Some publication did some sleuthing and found it. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that so much. It is great. So... Well, Nadia, this is the heading into the holiday weekend for us. It's for our listeners. It's going to be a Monday, but we're, we're just going to play a little chill this week. We're going to do a mailbag, take your questions. We're going to talk a little bit about the news. We're going to talk about the Chrono Cross remake. We're going to do a Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. We're going to talk about what we're playing. Hope that you can do kind of a chaser for your holiday weekend with a nice podcast, nice, cozy and comforting. Yeah, it's like we don't feel like heavy discussion before the holiday. You're not going to feel like it after the holiday either. We guarantee it. No, exactly. And we also have a Pantheon episode coming up, Nadia. That would be on December 1st. It's our Persona 5 podcast. Yes, it is. Recording on Monday with our special guest. We're going to really dive in to that one, decide if it deserves to be in the Pantheon. It might not. We'll it's uh, as much as like, I don't want to give away too much, I suppose, but as much as I love that game, I mm-hmm. don't know what, well, going by the criteria, which we'll get more into as, as we get to the episode itself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not inclined to disagree with you, but we'll see. It's a tricky one. It's, it's very a tricky. tricky. One. Yeah. 
our our audience always votes them into the pantheon. That's the thing that I find pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have good taste. I'm not saying y'all don't have good taste, but they do. We have they rules do. to follow, unfortunately. Oh, and I guess we should mention here that Eric is off for the vacation, so we didn't we didn't boot him out or yeah. anything like that. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, no, Eric is off right now, so. It's just yeah. me and Nadia, like old times, my old pal. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little while since it's just the two of us, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. Cool. But I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying just uh, the very chill hang and everything. It makes it easy for me to edit. Beyond that, it's time to vote for the next Pantheon. Yes, the next Pantheon were picks from Eric, Nadia, myself, and our $100 patron, Valexia. Thank you so much to your for your support. Valexia, you're the best. We really Indeed. like you. Valexia picked Dark Souls, truly the Dark Souls of Choices. Truly <laughs> the Dark Souls of Choices. <laughs> I picked Pokemon Diamond and Pearl and Platinum because Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl just came out. Legends Arceus is coming out in January. It's a perfect time to explore the Sinnoh region. Eric picked Moon because he has a bit of a fascination lately with games that were translated much, 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 much later than the mm-hmm. initial release. And Nadia, what did you pick? <laughs> I chose the game that's, that's kind of going to win, I think. Chrono she Cross. picked the winner. <laughs> I picked the winner. Sorry, everybody, or you're welcome, whichever or. Whichever or. Yeah, I, I love that you picked Chrono Cross. Uh, I mean, it might fit in with the remake news, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yes. But at the same time, it's just like, could we have waited for the remake? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I guess we'll see if the remake's even happening or not. I've heard the yeah. rumors for so long at this point, but we'll get into that. Yeah, it's just a rumor. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll get into it. Beyond that, if you want to vote in the Pantheon, that's open to all of our patrons. That would from the $1 tier and up. And also, our Pantheon episodes are exclusive to our $10 listeners. Patreon.com slash Bloodgodpod. Whatever level you decide to support us at. We genuinely appreciate it. Keeps the podcast going, helps us pay off all of the bills around hosting and mm. all of that stuff and art. So yeah, we 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 appreciate you. Thank you we so do. much. And especially, yeah, we're very thankful for this Patreon um, as of Thanksgiving. If you like the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. I am on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Before we get over to the news, Nadia, I'm curious, what is your sacrifice to the blood god? What have you been playing? Oh, yeah. So I've mostly, mostly been playing Shin Megami Tensei Five and still playing Final Fantasy XIV to get things ready for the uh, for Endwalker, which, gosh, I think next week are kind of like we're going to start to look at maintenance uh, for everything to go down. And when it comes back up, we'll have a brand new shiny expansion. But Shin Megami Tensei Five is a really is a great game and I'm still enjoying it. So I Went through that, went through the um, Tokyo uh, Tower area, went back to... <laughs> here. Here's a, a Japanese game for you perfectly. You, you wind up back in the real world, you find out about like angels and demons fighting, and it's like, oh, well, you should still probably go to school as usual. You know, you're, you're, the, <laughs> you're the avatar behind this proto-demon form that we, that we invented, but you know what? You should probably go to school. So you do. You go to school and look out the window until it's over and leave. <laughs> Because like you do, like you do, yeah. Just the uh, I'm only the the harbinger of doom. Go go about your business. Reminds me a little bit of a pretty famous mecha anime whose name escapes me, but in this mecha anime, the character ends up beaming into a fantasy world with fairies and everything, 
and the mechs look like bugs. It's pretty rad. Oh, actually. neat. Yeah, and they have swords and everything. Forgive me. It's one of the most famous mecha animes, but you know, when you uh, I forget a lot of things these days, unfortunately. I understand. But but there is a point, I think midway through the series, where he actually heads back into the real world. Because I guess the show wasn't being popular enough, so they were like, I don't know, like send them back into the real <laughs> send world. Send them back to school, make them date, I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the, the, the right trick, if the show isn't quite landing the way you want, you're like, well, send them back into the real world. Uh, give, give them a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's all fine. It always just reminds me of uh, the Simpsons episode where they they parodied that Twilight Zone episode with Bart and the the kid who can control things with his mind, and uh, he goes to school. And of course, he runs a school like uh, a complete like emperor because well, who's going to tell him otherwise? So it's not even like okay, I'll go back to school and I'll, I'll cooperate by the rules. No, anyone who has to go back to school and they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. I don't know. I just feel like they'd probably be a little more re- rebellious, like renaming America Bonerland and and all of that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, never put a young boy in charge of America. It won't <laughs> Didn't go we learn well. This lesson? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to play more SMT five, but I've kind of backburnered it because I would really like to get through Pokemon uh, before the new year, and I would also like to get through Persona five. So yeah, Persona five uh, is probably probably the most important thing for you at this point. Yeah, it is. Like I, I don't think I'm gonna get through it at this point because i've just been too busy unfortunately but i have been making like a real effort like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. do this at this point i i'm invested i've got everybody i beat the damn hamburger factory (laughs) (laughs) that damn factory which is a terrible dungeon it's pretty bad it's really really not my favorite at all i can't remember what comes after that um it might even be the last dungeon or the second to last or something but you are getting quite close uh in nintendo voice chat which is our other podcast i do over at ign we have this segment called the cat take cat take stealth segments in games are the worst okay they're, they're rarely ever good the only time i like stealth segments is if Oh, I don't know. They just give you an option to not murder someone. And then, oops, you tripped the alarm. Well, I guess I'm murdering all these people. It's kind of fun when it's like that. But yeah, I don't like them as a, you know, someone blows the whistle. You got to go back to square one. That's stupid. I hate that. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in that particular dungeon. And you're also trying to, they do the stupid timing thing where you have to race as fast as possible while avoiding enemies, and the clock keeps running while you're fighting an enemy. Yes, yes. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's a really great design. I do kind of yeah. like the part where you're shooting through the vacuum, though, as you go from that's like neat. door to door. Yeah. That was neat. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Uh, but at the same time, I I just don't have the head for keeping track of all of the different colors and everything. And eventually I got sick of it and I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just looking up the walkthrough. I don't care. I just need I to get I through this. I think I got lost even with the walkthrough. I was just so turned yeah, around yeah. and I just got mad and said, forget this. Yeah, I've the, been through it. The, the first walkthrough I went through was actually kind of worthless because it wasn't working properly. It might have been Persona 5 Royal. Maybe they changed or something. Mm, could be. The second walkthrough ended up working. But anyway. Oh, and then the boss battle was not fun. It was a very bad boss battle. <laughs> That boss battle, yeah, I'm tr- okay. I'm trying to remember what the gimmick was. 
Uh, the gimmick is that it just keeps throwing enemies at you and you have to kill them. Right. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't exactly the most creative or fun boss battle. The whole no. thing was definitely a low point for the game. Just it does a giant mook better. battle. Seriously. Giant mook battle. I mean, I guess it can be a metaphor for corporate America or corporate Japan. Nah, rah, 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 rah. It's a fine metaphor. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but I... And it wasn't hard or anything because... I have really strong nuclear attacks and psi attacks yes. uh, that hit every enemy. So I was able to just knock them out then any problem and get to the, the main boss, who I, I admit that the Big Bang Burger attack is pretty rad. Yeah, honestly. Okay. it's kind of like the, the supernova of, of hamburgers. Yeah, <laughs> I just start attacks. playing the one-winged angel theme. Don't, don't, don't. Giant burgers flying through the sky. <laughs> Again, a reference to that robot chicken bit with them in with the uh, Final Fantasy VII cast flipping burgers. And Haru is fine, but she's like a complete non-entity to me because all I think about is Futaba at this point. That's the thing. Like, she's not a bad character at all. I think she's sweet. I think she's fun. But she's just introduced at a really bad time. Well, yeah, because I've been trying to get my kindness up so I could go and actually start properly building a social connection with Futaba. And I finally did that. And it took a minute. And then I was like, sorry, Haru, like, Futaba's over here. You're <laughs> over there. You, are you Futaba? No? Okay. Well, I'm not talking to you. Bye. What about, Mako- what about Makoto? She was my favorite. She's fine. She's I fine. like Makoto. She's kind of the bookish one. Yeah, she's motorcycle pope. Yeah, no, she's cool. I, I like, I like Futaba and An. Like, they're all great. Except yeah. Ryuji. He's kind of a dork. I know a lot of people who love Ryuji. I kind of like him for who he is, but yeah, he's, I've never been a big fan of that kind of gangly troublemaker RPG character that you get in Atlas games. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be interested to kind of revisit the casts of Persona 3, 4, and 5, because um, I, I think I still prefer Persona 4, because I don't think there's any relationship as much as that I love as much as the Chie uh, Yuko uh, relationship. Like, yeah. Is it Yuko? I can't remember anything these days. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm very tired too. I think yeah. we're at the end of the year. Uh it is, yes. Um but anyway, yeah. I like but I like Persona 5's um cast quite a bit as well. So anyway, please look forward to our Pantheon discussion of that episode. I hope oh, I haven't yes. spoiled too much of no, this. No, we'll get into it. How year old game. <laughs> there's nothing to spoil beyond the hamburger factory is bad, at least in this discussion. Yeah. Yes. And I think I've said that many times over by this point. Uh, as for Persona 5 Royal, uh, my my project for next year is I'm just going to play it day by day. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to start on the day and I'm just going to play each day as it goes. And there will be some days where I play a lot more because of it'll course. be like a dungeon or something. But that's that's my goal. That, then maybe it'll be a little more manageable that way. It's not too hard to run through dungeons once you've kind of done the original Persona 5. There is some new stuff, and it's actually fun to look for, but it's, uh, well, I'm saying this as if I haven't been stuck on the stupid hamburger thing forever, so. (laughs) Beyond that, I've been playing a lot of uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and and Shiny Pearl, which has just been a big old warm sweater of a video game. I've been really enjoying it. (laughs) I've noticed people on my timeline have been very... uh, warm about the game you you have of course the critics who are like oh this isn't any this isn't anything new blah 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 but mostly people just seem to have they expected a, a pokemon remake they got a pokemon remake and they're pretty happy with that it's a straight remake whatever yeah. 
Yeah. The uh, it's a straight remake that looks honestly like a game that might have been released in two thousand and three. Yeah. Thereabouts. Basically. Yeah. It was made in the Unity engine. The when you're playing it on a monitor, the overworld is one of the ugliest overworlds I've ever seen. And yet, it's cute. I'm into it. I like the music. I mm-hmm. like the the battles are really easy. Like I'm just rolling through it with Chimchar. It's hilarious how easy uh, that has been so far. Are you done the campaign? No, no. I'm. I just got to the second gym. Um, I had a little bit of trouble with the first gym leader because I just could not find anything that was really that effective against rock. Bosses. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Chimchar gets fighting type attacks like power power uh, punch. Right. So. That ended up being fine, but literally nobody else in my party could bear basically do any damage to them. So I had to keep Chimchar alive, or Monferno, I guess, long enough to be able to build up my attack a little bit, and then I could one-hit KO uh, the remainder of the bosses. Is there nothing you could catch in that area that would, you know? No, I was trying, too. Like, really? Diesel doesn't show up until later, so. No grass types either, huh? No, no. I mean, they might have been around, but... I wasn't able to find them. So. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's a good time. And Kinda. I will, I would like to beat it. I, I was joking that I'm just here because I want to get Chimchar into Pokemon Home. But you know. <laughs> no, now you actually like the game. What have you done yet? Yeah, what have I done? It's, it's Pokemon. What do you want? I was having some serious cat vibes watching the Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers while also playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond over the weekend. It was a lot of fun. That sounds very nostalgic. It was. It was very Natsukashi. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nostalgic, Nadia, let's talk about today's big story. Chrono Cross remake. Is it happening? It could be. So apparently in October, Irish singer Ava said she had recorded a song for a Square Enix remake that will be announced in December, possibly during the Game Awards. This was followed by Xbox era's Nick Baker saying on a recent podcast that is indeed a Chrono Cross remake or revamp. We've also seen seen Mitsuda apparently recording mysterious music. So, Nadia, do you think this is a thing? And as as our number one Chrono Cross stand, what does this evoke in your heart? I am curious more than anything at this point, especially since I think that as of right this second, people aren't feeling very nice towards Square and remakes because of what happened to Neo the World End with You, which we'll, we'll get into. Uh, I would like it to be true. Uh, if that's the case, though, I'm curious what Ava was recording. I'm wondering if, because I, I guess the, so- the, the game does kind of have Celtic themes to it, but. Maybe the song that is the, maybe a vocalized version of the original song that plays yeah, the over original the original Scars of Time. The- yeah, over Scars of Time. Yeah, it could be, because I know Mitsuda has worked with Irish uh, choirs and singers before. Like, mm-hmm. did that for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for some of the best tracks in the game. Like, I can't remember the name of the Irish choir, Anya or something like that. No, that Anya's a singer. I don't remember. Anyway, it, w- it was really, really nicely done. So I hope that he does have a chance to work with uh, an Irish course again on... On a, on a Chrono Cross remake, that would be that would be something else. I just don't know what's going to what's going to be like. Is it going to be a revamp? Is it going to be a remake? Uh, sequel? Will they actually promote it? Because again, <laughs> the end of the world ends with you. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, 
I'm eyeing it cautiously because, of course, there's also that NVIDIA GeForce leak saying that, yeah, this game is coming along with a whole bunch of other remakes, but we'll see. It's all rumors at this point, but you might be right about the Game Awards. God forbid that they actually promote their game or even, I don't know, like I, I think that a lot of the remakes haven't been good. Trials of Mana remake might be the best one they've done, and even that was kind of mediocre. But maybe the source material wasn't great either. I still argue that Trials of Mana was a good remake because the source material, as gorgeous as it looks, and yes, it actually is, you know, it's fun to play. Its gameplay still had a lot of problems that the Trials of Mana 3D remake really sorted out. I know that doesn't look fantastic, but uh, I mean, Act Razor was fantastic. I actually really liked it a lot. I was surprised at how well it turned out. So I'm not saying they can't totally disappoint me. They might, uh, they might come through. So you're saying more Act Razor and less Secret of Mana. I mean, how, why not both? Why not both? Why not both? I don't know. The Secret of Mana remake was pretty bad. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, I, I thought you meant like the original Secret of Mana. No, that Secret of Mana remake was um, could have been okay, but it wasn't okay. I, 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 if nothing else, at least they seem to take some lessons from how bad the Secret of Mana remake was for the Trials of Mana. So they, they put a little more money into the, into the next one. Throw a little money into this. This is Chrono yeah. Cross we're talking about. It'll do really well if it looks good. Exactly. I mean, it took them a long time, though, to learn that Chrono Trigger isn't just something you can dispose of under a bus either. This spurred some discussion on our Discord, and there were people saying, yeah, but you can't. You can fix the graphics and the speed of the battles, but you can't fix the story. What do you think of that, Nadia? I mean, the story is about as convoluted as any modern Square Enix game. It's doable. It has some. It's mostly your. It's mostly one of those games you 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 go for because you like the characters a lot. And uh, the what I want to see done most of all is a is a re a relocalization because man, that was probably the thing tripping me up most with the story, just how bad the characters all sounded. It's been so long since I played it. I uh, I last played it when it first came out because I bought it. Oh my god! And I that was my first introduction to the Chrono series because I didn't play Chrono Trigger at that time. No, because Chrono Trigger was very hard to find. Yes, uh, it was very expensive, uh, and so I wasn't able to get hold of a copy. But I did play Chrono Cross, and I was like, I don't get it. Why, yeah. why are you a cat person now? <laughs> <laughs> Good old links. I still don't get that. But hey, the yeah. point is the music just absolutely rocks. And you know what? The battles, battle system is a lot of fun. I still like the battle system a lot. The color-coded one? The color-coded one. Come on. They've never done anything so crazy stupid in a long time. And even though it was crazy stupid, it worked. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you actually get turned into links, uh, your magic changes too. And it's actually really annoying because nothing is weak to it, as I recall. Yeah, you are a white innate white magic user at first. I think, and then you turn to Lynx, who's an innate black magic user. And as you say, uh, yeah, the amount of people weak to black magic is not great in this game. So it, you do take a bit of a hit to your power. But I did listen to that Scars of Time over and over and over again for a long time. Yeah, I just, hell, I take a remake just to see an a new introduction for that. I hope that a Chrono Cross remake is real. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if it is, because it seems like Square is happy to throw a little money at its catalog and go and making a make a second rate uh, remake of their various games. They definitely look budget. I'm glad to hear that the Act Razor one wasn't as bad as it initially looked. Yeah. I I mean, this is what I'll say as a positive 
for a Chrono Cross remake. Chrono Cross is really hard to find these days. Yes. Like practically impossible. Sugar of Mana, you could play on a SNES Classic, that kind of thing. But Chrono Cross, it was on the Vita. I think it's actually quite hard to find on the Vita these days. It might have been delisted. It's on, is, I don't know if it's been delisted yet. I don't know if they've taken that final bullet yet, but I do know that I do have it on my Vita because, yeah, I downloaded it when it came out to the PS1 Classics. Well, I see it on PS Deals. Now, there you go. PS1 Classic, but that's not the same as, uh, uh, but I see December 31st, 2020, Chrono Cross PS1 removed. Ah, God. Yeah. <laughs> why, so, why does this industry hate preservation so much? Yeah, and I don't think PS deals really, it's not exactly the PlayStation Store. I don't see it in the PlayStation Store. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to have to play it on an emulation when our uh, users inevitably pick it. Yeah, see, now I feel bad because I had no idea that it was gone from the store entirely. So yeah, that's going to make it hard for people to play unless, as you say, they do emulate it. And I've never emulated a PlayStation game. It's not that hard. EPSXE is actually very good for that. It used to be like almost impossible, so I just never really bothered learning how to do it. Well, now we can we can uh, emulate PS3 games now, Nadia. Har har, pirates like for me. But I don't, um, because actually my computer was having a hard time running a PS3 emulator. But I was able to run a PS2 emulator without any problem. Well, let's continue on to the mailbag. Yeah, we went to our Discord and said, hey, fam, mm. let's go uh, just answer some questions this week. We're going to talk through a bunch of ans- questions, answers. We'll do a Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. We'll do a few more random encounters, and we'll wrap up with some final questions from the mailbag. And this one is from Old Man Jables, Nadia. Who is an unsung RPG composer outside of the big name? I am going to do the obvious and yet not obvious thing and say Soken for Final Fantasy XIV. And the reason I say that, and I think this is fair enough, is because a lot of Final Fantasy XIV's music is credited to uh, Yuamatsu. And of course, God knows Yuamatsu is brilliant, but uh, Soken has done the overwhelming majority of Final Fantasy XIV's music by himself, especially Shadowbringers and Endwalker. I don't think Yuamatsu had any hand in, in either of those because he's been kind of, you know, recovering slash semi-retired slash, I guess, helping out with Fantasian. So everything that you hear in Final Fantasy XIV, which is just a, an incredible soundtrack, is spearheaded by Soken, who composed a lot of Endwalker while he was in the hospital with cancer. So there's that little extra bit of clout for him. Yeah, I think he's, I, I, I think he's damn brilliant. I mean, that's of course next to. Yomatsu being the obvious one, and of course we were talking about um, Mitsuda, who is just nonstop. But I'm going to give it to Soken so that people, more people, know about him. I'm going to throw it Martin uh, Perzbalich. <laughs> God, I completely mangled that name. Sorry. They work for CD Projekt. They did the music for Witcher Three, and the Witcher Three soundtrack is fantastic it is i would like to see more western developers getting their mm-hmm. due for music composition because when yeah, yeah i admit when it comes to rpgs we tend to reach for Yuamatsu and square and, and well that's because it's more bombastic right that it's is true much more actually we were having this conversation last night after watching dune where i was like it makes me sad that we like we're never going to get a soundtrack again like the one in star trek 2 which is this bombastic naval fair from James Horner. It's so 
rich and wonderful and fun. And now, you know, a lot of music these days is much more like, yeah. <laughs> I love the bass reverb. Yes. That's not to say that Dune, Dune, and the reason we brought this up was actually Dune's soundtrack was very good, but it definitely fell into that particular mold. Same with uh, Western games. A lot of them, they might have a vocalized track here and there, but most of the time the music's quite ambient. Yes, definitely. That was a thing with uh, with uh, Elder Scrolls in particular, Jeremy's Soul, where I know he's uh, kind of gone because uh, of bad things, but pretty incredible composer. And I think he was interesting because he started with Secret of Evermore for the SNES. And that was a soundtrack that came out at a time when Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, Bomb, as you say, was just so like, you know, lovely and beautiful and, and orchestrated. Here comes Secret of Evermore, which has a very atmospheric soundtrack, very much unlike anything else that was on the market at the time. And you could certainly hear the carryover from that over into Morrowind, into especially uh, uh, Skyrim. Returning for a hot second to Final Fantasy XIV, composers for Final Fantasy XIV not named Uematsu don't get enough respect. Absolutely. Final Fantasy VII Remake had a killer soundtrack, right? And that was done in large part by the guy who did Final Fantasy XV. I mean, Uematsu contributed a bit, but otherwise, mm-hmm. like, the remixes in Final Fantasy VII Remake were just kicking. They were great. And even Fifteen had a great soundtrack. Like, Square Enix mm-hmm. does not skimp on their composers for good reason. No, absolutely. No, it might have been Final Fantasy Thirteen, the composer of Final Fantasy Thirteen's battle theme, which secretly one of the is one of the best in the series. That's even good too. Like, one. yeah, like I think that's a fantastic battle theme. That would be Masashi Hamazu, who worked alongside Nobuo Uematsu and Mitsuto Suzuki on Final Fantasy Seven Remake. But Masashi worked on Final Fantasy Thirteen, Final Fantasy Thirteen Two, various others, like. I think a lot of people are a little bit sad because it doesn't have that distinct Nobuo Uematsu sound, but there have been a lot of phenomenal tracks over the years in subsequent Final Fantasy games, as you highlighted with Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, and I would think that Uematsu would obviously want us to kind of celebrate these uh, composers who followed behind him because they're great. He's probably mentored a lot of them. I, I mean, I know for a fact he's mentored several, so... Yeah, he'd probably want them to be, uh, you know, praised for their hard work. I gotta say, Super Robot Wars is actually underrated for uh, their music. Is it just like theme songs and stuff, or stuff? I mean, there are sound, there are theme songs, but there are also uh, Jam Project, which they do a really great theme song for every single game at the title screen. If you hear, if you start the game and you see the title screen, you'll always hear this kick in electronic music from Jam Project. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But then there are just a huge number of original tunes as well uh, from the original Generations 1. My favorite is the Cybuster track. It is just uh, really energetic. makes me want to like run through a wall or something like that. Makes you want to beat up some robots. Also Gong and Skill and uh, many, many other original songs. The OG... The OG games are just wall-to-wall amazing soundtrack, uh, uh, amazing tracks. I mean, they have to be. When you're talking about mecha anime and stuff like that, you have a lot of like bombastic soundtracks with a lot of trumpets and stuff behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just... And one of the things I really like about playing SRW30 is I got the 
premium sound version. Oh, that's right. That they all have lyrics and stuff. They have vocals. <laughs> it's great. Was it worth the money, Cat? Yes. Oh, God, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm so happy I spent the money to get it. I haven't had a lot of time to play SRW30 because, again, I'm Persona 5 and Pokemon and all of that. But I, well, uh, you have I'm a really holiday digging. coming up, don't you? Like it's. Uh, I do. I do. Christmas um, is coming. I'd like to play more. Uh, but I've just been kind of trying to churn through a lot of different games so that I can yeah. talk about them for the end of the year awards and everything. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year, isn't it? In fact, sure the game is. awards are... When are the game awards? They're soon, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're quite soon. Next A uh, couple weeks from now, actually. Wow. So that's going to be exciting because I really think we're going to get a couple of pretty good announcements. Chrono Cross remake. Cross and also... Chrono Cross um, remake. Is there some talk about a new trailer for Breath of the Wild 2? Eh, that would be a big get for the Keelys. Yeah, but I mean, Keeley got the Joker reveal, which I think was pretty huge. Uh, there's not. The one is the Breath of the Wild 2 new trailer. True, true. Oh, that's fair. One is the Joker reveal. No no offense to Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joker. But it was that was still a pretty cool reveal, though. He did get the Xbox Series X reveal. That's right, which was, yeah. That, which, that was a big one, honestly. Um, and he also got the Bayonetta 3 announcement, and we finally got a trailer for that not too long ago. But yeah. Nintendo's MO is generally to save its trailers for its own Nintendo Directs. I'd be surprised if they put that out during the Game Awards, you know? Yeah, but who knows? It might be fun. I remember there was one year the Game Awards were a lot of fun, and that was the the year they had the RDR2, uh, con- not really concert, but they had the singers there for that. That was a fun year. Mm. Our next question comes from Alex, and they ask, any games we played as kids that we loved but were actually bad? I could say that for any number of retro games that I loved because some of them, I mean, I loved Dragon Warrior 2 to death when I was a kid, but playing it now, I'm like, I'm not doing this again. (laughs) I'm just a big Dragon Warrior fan. I'm like stoked for 3 to come out on the uh, 2D HD thing, but man... I have no desire to go back to two, except maybe for the soundtrack, which was pretty good. I obviously have no regrets about any of the games I played of course. growing up because I had impeccable taste. Of course, it was perfect, Kat. Uh, but I'm going to throw out one that is actually kind of controversial. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Ouch. That's a that's really controversial, Kat. That's controversial even for me because I like Twilight Princess quite a bit. I think I liked it more than Wind Waker. Gasp. I think if you went into a Reddit thread and you saw any Twilight Princess comments, you could sort by controversial. <laughs> That's where you'll find them. But Twilight Princess, okay. I love Wolf Link. And yeah. I love the gal who, Minna. I love Minna. Minna. Yeah, she's great. Minna's amazing. And I love the the Yeti dungeon. Yeah, that's but cool. But when I tried to replay it for the HD remaster, it was slow. It was, the, the, I would say the, the style did not hold up that well outside of Wolf Link himself. I really did not like the stupid shadow puzzles that you had to do as Wolf Link mm-hmm. in order to push back the Twilight stuff. I thought the actual story was kind of eh. I thought it was pretty bloated. It yeah. was a direct reaction to all the criticism of Wind Waker, which I was part of. But <laughs> well, there you go, cat. <laughs> let me tell you, back in 2006, I loved that game. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I drank it like a milkshake, as Tim Rogers has said. So I liked it a lot. I Here's the thing about Zelda, though, that I find interesting. Each 
game kind of one up to the one before in a way that makes the last game a little unappealing to go back to. I, for myself, find no reason to go to the original Zelda very often because I have um, A Link to the Past. And I even have A Link Between Worlds, which is, in my opinion, better than A Link to the Past, as if you want to talk about controversial opinions. And uh, same with uh, Twilight Princess. Like, once I played Twilight Princess, I didn't really want to go back to Ocarina of Time. And now that I have Wind, uh, Wind Waker, I don't really see myself going back to Twilight Princess anytime too soon, except maybe for the dungeons. And even then, if I want a Zelda game with great dungeons, Skyward Sword is right there. I'd consider replaying Wind Waker. The only problem is, I don't know, like, maybe my uh, feel, my feelings on it would change. I remember, I was a little let down about it. Oh, then. sorry, I didn't mean Wind Waker, I meant Breath of the Wild. Because oh, Wind yeah, Waker, Breath of the Wild, yeah. Wind Waker, I was a little disappointed with too. Not, I mean, I love the style. Nothing against the art style at all. I thought it was fantastic. It still holds up today. I just feel like it felt unfinished. Like there were just, I don't know, something about the dungeons just weren't a lot. Of, weren't, weren't very engaging. And I did love the overworld, believe it or not. I loved to sail so much. That was so much fun. I enjoyed oh, that. Yeah, very no, much. there's so much to love. So much clever yeah. stuff about the design of Wind Waker. It's it's beautiful. It is. It is. And it has some surprising tie ins to Ocarina of Time. People were too mad, uh, people too busy getting mad at the game to realize it actually has some really clever um, link ups. What a twist. What a twist. Yep. When you like say, oh, that's Jabu Jabu, and he's speaking Hylian. And I actually like how when you replay the game, the beasts that were speaking Hylian actually start speaking English. That was a really cool incentive to play again. My local video game store, Experience Share, shout out to them. They're amazing have a spice orange GameCube that plays both Japanese and American games. Wow. I would actually buy that for my husband. He loves the orange GameCube. I seriously thought about picking it up. It's a spicy spice orange controller. It's the best. But then I thought about it for a hot second. (laughs) Outside of Rogue Squadron, I don't really have any games I really desperately want to replay on the, uh, the GameCube. I did have the Spice Orange GameCube controller because I had to buy another one as cheap as possible and nobody wanted that one as it turns out. And my husband really liked it. And then my pet rat bit through it and he got really mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pet rat. I I used to have a pet rat when I was, uh, Uh, when we first got married. Well, a few pet rats. Yeah, I've loved keeping rats. They're so great. Cat and Nadia, both rat girls. Yep. Oh, I I love rats. I had a rat growing up. Oh, what was his name? Tails. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Sonic and Tails. That, that makes time. sense. I mean, mine yeah. is named Samus, so. Oh, you know, video game characters, right? So yeah, Pretty much. Yeah, so I feel a little guilty about not picking up that Spice Orange GameCube, but at the same time, I also just got rid of my GameCube, so I'd feel pretty stupid picking it up again. Well, you get a better color GameCube, Cat. It <laughs> is logic. It's logic true. Logic. No, I'm waiting for them to finally get an import PS2 in so I can play... Super Robot Wars Alpha 3 on a CR television. That's what I want. I love it. That would be the dream. That would be living the dream. Living the dream. Exclusively Lex, one of our moderators over on the Discord, asks, why aren't there more straight-up sports RPGs? So, Nadia, I know you don't play sports games, but in a few of these sports games, they have kind of a uh, RPG-like simulator, right? So yeah. in NBA 2K... You build up an avatar and you slowly but surely, you know, do things like you get endorsement deals that give you more money and you're playing for different teams. You can run around an open world and buy merch. The reason people don't like any of this stuff 
because it's cool, but it's all microtransaction driven. And it's gotten worse and worse over the years, unfortunately. Apparently, NBA 2K this year is a full-blown sports RPG. It's just straight-up sports RPG. But Lots it's of grinding. All, but it's covered in microtransactions, as you said, right? Yeah, yeah. But people are like, oh, I'm too busy managing my music empire in NBA 2K to actually play games. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can appreciate sports games for that because, yes, you're right. A lot of them do have these RPG elements and these sim elements that get, by the sounds of it, really, really in-depth. But I think that, I don't know, maybe RPG fans, we feel a little bit burned about sports. Now, I don't personally. Like, I didn't really grow up in a school that had, you know, a major sports program that was funded and expense of everything else. I just am not a sporty person. But I guess... Me neither. I, that's true. You don't play sports. You, you I just don't watch play sports. sports. No, I, I, I hated sports until I was forced clockwork orange style to sit and watch them <laughs> in high school. And then they broke your brain. They broke my brain. Now I like them. But I never even thought about your point of view about how microtransaction driven the landscape is. And I think when you're talking about a, a, a field as big as sports games, you have a whole different demographic of people who don't read a single game web page. They just buy their Madden for the year. They just buy their NBA for the year and they're good. But they don't know any different about as far as microtransactions go. They don't know how we feel about them as like, I don't know, learned gamers. What the hell would you call us? They're, they're, that controversy, even though it should be there, it just isn't there, at least not to the degree it is with us. So we don't really have, they don't really have that resentment that we just kind of automatically have towards that sort of style of, of game. I like sports for the same reason I like RPGs. I like strategy. I like numbers yeah. going up. So that's why, see, I don't understand a damn thing about football. I look at that and mm. say, I don't know. I'm not even going to try. But I know that if you like strategy, you're basically looking at like a war game on a field. Yeah. I have, I have, my my main comment is, yeah, Madden's just Pokemon, but with large beefy men and <laughs> you know, got to catch them all. I have to come up with some names for the players build, based on build Pokemon. the best team. Yeah, but I do actually think sports games, uh, they're trapped in a mindset of eight bit games from back in the day. Like everybody grew up playing Madden and soccer games and everything with the team games that were more arcade focused. Right. Right. And those games have been they've built the framework around those games every year for 30 years at this point. And it's prevented sports developers from breaking out and really thinking differently about the genre. I mean, I think the fantasy in sports is to become, you know, a star player mm -hmm. right? where you're, you know, you got a billion followers on Instagram and you're signing the shoe deals and you're hanging out with cool, famous sports athletes and you're building up your stats and you're winning all of the championships. And those elements are in games like MLB The Show and things like that. But they tend to be a little undercooked because right. there's only so much development time available, right? The game is trying to be all things to all people. So to answer your question, Lex, uh, the reason there aren't more sports RPGs out there is because it's kind of hard to monetize in the same way that you can Ultimate Team. You could yeah. do it, but... And but also because games like FIFA have been the same way forever and licensed sports game licenses are harder than ever to actually get. That's kind of the thing, too. When we were kids, everyone had their own, you know, sports game, uh, baseball game, football game, usually with like the goofiest names for the players. But 
it was you know it, w- it was something everyone could enjoy and games were a lot more uh control wise were extremely simple to grok back then like anyone could play nba jam whether or not you were a basketball fan or not there was a uh this soccer game it's i forget what its name was but you play this european manager and the focus is more on the story se- segments that take place between the matches where they sit around and smoke and they've got a pet bird that they talk to. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds like an RPG. Yeah. And then like the, the you know, the sports games actually happen kind of like football manager, but then it cuts back to them in their apartment alone and each reacting to the results. From each other. That's what I like. That's kind of fun. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. They tried to do a whole story scene, but it was like call of duty with FIFA. You know, it's like it was yeah. called The Journey and you're playing Alex Hunter and you were uh, signing up for your f- team of choice and your best pals was some guy who ends up getting a I think he gets a, a pie shop chain at some point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But instead of like your brothers and arms getting shot in the head, they get like hit in the f- head with a football and like, oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. he's down. Yeah, no, Alex Hunter. <laughs> um tries to make a play to get transferred to another big club but ends up in a situation where nobody wants him so he ends up in los angeles playing for the la galaxy and in the most unrealistic turn in any sports game actually manages to attract the attention of europe again after playing well for the la galaxy (laughs) (laughs) even though that's pretty funny it's like oh alex bayern munich wants you now because you played well for the freaking la galaxy I didn't know the LA Galaxy even existed. Well, now you know. Actually, they're quite popular in our Discord. Oh, cool. Yeah, I would love a, a good straight-up sports RPG. I guess I'll just have to settle for Barkley's Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Oh, God, yes, you will. Spyrus wants to know, how are games treated similarly or differently compared to books? I've been thinking along the lines of how we don't expect somebody to have read all books to be knowledgeable but sometimes it feels that it is expected that you have to play a vast majority of games to be knowledgeable. Maybe this gets into the idea of being well-read. What do you think, Nadia? Yeah, I I guess so. Um, Just thinking about it, we do think a lot more high, like society in general thinks a lot more highly of reading as a pastime versus playing video games as a pastime. But not that long ago, it was not the case. There was a time when reading was considered uh, a dangerous waste of time, frankly. And I especially guess, if you're a woman. Oh yeah, if you're a woman, putting you ideas might get in your head, ideas in your head. Oh God forbid. Thinking. But I've actually been thinking a lot about how video games compare to other media, including books, and how uh, there, there's almost something there in that. Yes, people who read are considered more intelligent, even when they, you know, I mean, someone who reads a hell of a lot. No, I, I don't consider myself more intelligent for that. That's for sure. Uh, Maybe movies below that are considered a little less intelligent and video games are still considered for people from stupid town, even though it's not the case at all. And video games have come a long way since, you know, Pac-Man and but we still have people writing these articles about how video games aren't for kids anymore. They're not? Apparently. Wow. That's what the, the New York Times tells me for the 50th time. But the thing is, I feel like video games and movies and books shouldn't be ranked on the same level in terms of uh, how they how they rank as a pastime. I think that they are all a very different ways of uh, getting your media fix, for lack of a better term. And they're all good for their own reasons, which is might be why 
a lot of video game movies don't turn out great. The best we've gotten so far is like Sonic and Detective Pikachu. And those are because they realize what their source material is and said, OK, fine, we embrace this. We're not just going to be a mediocre story. We're going to be we're going to be for the fans. And that's probably the best way to go about it. As old media books and now television, because television is old media. Oh, God. has a built in bias over video mm-hmm. games, which is still considered new media because it's gasp popular. Yes. Television used to be in the same mold and and even movies used to be in the same mold of video games where they were just considered to be fundamentally stupid brain rotting entertainment Uh, in terms of how we consume them. It's pretty interesting. So I work for a large uh, entertainment website that covers both entertainment and video games. And that has given me an opportunity to stretch my legs a little bit and write entertainment reviews. And I find that every time I write an entertainment review, I'm definitely flexing a different muscle than I do when I'm reviewing, say, a video game. Because people just expect different things when you're talking about a video game. Um, My philosophy when I'm reviewing a video game is to be very holistic. I try not to get too into the weeds about, you know... And the graphics are top notch, but the controls are more of a mixed bag. Mixed bag, yes. Yeah, right. I, I avoid that stuff. I, I hate delving into the EGM like sound graphics, you know, kind of categories from back in the day. Sorry, not EGM, IGN actually oh. used to be categories uh, once upon a time. We're very mechanical in the yes. way that we evaluate video games. Uh, we call them consumer reports. Uh, reviews. And, you know, video game writing has become more sophisticated in recent years, but it's still easy, I think, for reviewers to get more into the weeds with features and graphics and mechanics and that kind of thing, especially with sports games. (laughs) Yeah, sports games are freaking impossible to review. It's such a pain. But people approach video game reviews with this mindset of like, I want to know if I'm making a quality purchase, not a is this an edifying piece of entertainment? Exactly. And as a consequence, I never read video game reviews after I have purchased and finished the game because the game, the review is not pitched in that direction. It's pitched mm-hmm. in a, are you making a good buyer's choice kind of direction? Now, right. I've been listening to a lot of Tim Rogers reviews. I listened to his Final Fantasy VII remake uh, review, which was excellent. Um, we agreed on a lot of things, actually. Except the end. We didn't agree on the end. But (laughs) (laughs) um, I think that video game criticism, the best video game criticism is happening on YouTube right now with uh, the essayist. Maybe it's a Mm -hmm. visual format. Maybe that's how you break it down. Um, That's just how you... It it just makes it a lot more digestible to sit down and watch somebody talk you through the various components of a video game. Whereas when I write a movie review or a book review... I haven't read a reviewed a book, but I it wouldn't be that different from reviewing a movie, honestly. I am kind of reviewing it in a different voice. I'm reviewing it in kind of a, a Roger Ebert sort of way. Um, the I'm thinking much I'm thinking in terms of the story structure and the performances and the technical stuff almost never figures in, right? Yeah. So this is all to say that video games and books are very different mediums. <laughs> 
I used to, I actually did used to review books way back in the day. Mm. And when you think about the way that a video game review has to be, um, it's because as you say, you are helping consumer make a choice and God, a video game covers so many elements of media in just one game. It's not just a story. It's not just uh, a moving picture. It's all of those things. And plus you are playing it. So maybe I understand why the reviews have to be a little more informative, a little more, you know, in the weeds. And there's also the fact, I think, that the games industry and especially the games criticism industry is really bad at letting people grow up and find their voices because the pay is so bad. The work environment is so terrible. People burn out by the time they're 30 or 40 and you don't have any veterans to kind of hang around and really help the young people shape what, you know, uh, shape a good way to sound. Yeah, it's remarkable to me how poorly the games media is still traded compared to the more mainstream entertainment media. Yeah, it's uh, like, sad. I've gotten to know some entertainment critics. I had Emily Vanderwerf on this show earlier this year. And the way that she is treated, the way that she talks about her line of work is just so different from the games media and not in a way that I particularly enjoyed. No disrespect to Emily. This is more of a broader yeah. thing, I think. But when it comes to uh, video game reviews... Um, a thing that maybe Spyros was kind of cutting to was, so Carolyn Pettit was saying on Twitter that game reviews shouldn't be handed to people who already love the games. Mm -hmm. And philosophically, I agree with that because I would like fresh perspectives. Right. However, also, I review sports games. <laughs> and frankly, I would not want the opinion of somebody who's never played a sports game. No. For the most I, part. I, I agree with you. If I, if I gave you a review of Madden, it would be useless. It would be less than useless. Well, I mean, you could take it from the perspective of, I'm a newcomer to this series. Right. Go, oh my God, this is what I found. It is the most inaccessible thing <laughs> I have ever played. Right? And right. Maybe that would be a useful thing for people who are coming into the series. For the first time. Is it accessible? No. This person who is reviewing it says, no, in fact, it is not accessible. Mm -hmm. However, whoever did that would be absolutely raked over the coals and destroyed by yeah. the freaking piranhas that are the, the Madden and the FIFA communities. Be like, why do you got this person who doesn't know anything about these games reviewing it? There's a lot of piranhas in that community, I've noticed. Yeah, because it's a service game. You know, you're you're writing for an audience that's already built in. Right. You know? Because it wasn't like when Monster Hunter World first came out, there were a lot of reviews and the from the angle of someone who was new to Monster Hunter, because that was the idea. This was supposed to be a game for the West. This was a lot of people coming into this. So a review in that context makes a lot of sense. But as you say, something as established as a sports game. No, no, I, I, I wouldn't even touch that with a, a 10 foot clown pole. Meanwhile, with RPGs. If you hand an RPG to somebody who is not nominally an RPG player and they say, I'm not nominally an RPG player and it's a big time RPG, probably they're going to come in for a lot of abuse, especially if they're a woman. Like, yeah, especially if they're a woman. Yeah. Gamers are vicious, you know? They have bite. They, they do, do have bite. They, they have teeth. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. I, I do think that it would be nice if we could get kind of fresher perspective, especially for the big franchises like Call yes. of Duty. Especially, yeah, for the big ones like Call There's of Duty. There's an expectation of expertise, right? 
I think I would get raked over the coals if I reviewed Call of Duty again. I did it once. <laughs> it did not did go well. Did you? What did you? Was it Modern Warfare that reviewed? It was Advanced Warfare. Oh, okay. And the difference was that I focused a lot more on the campaign and much less on the multiplayer. Oh, exactly. And everybody else who reviewed Advanced Warfare were established Call of Duty people who were like, "Well, I love these new mechanics." You know, right? No, um, that that would be a really hard review to come at as a newcomer. Yeah, I don't know. Video games are big and complex kind of beasts, you know, especially, especially now. Especially there's there are games that are more accessible, but I think there's a reason that like Final Fantasy 14 is a beat. Dark yeah, Souls oh, is a beat. Yes. Like being able to review those games effectively is a monstrous task. Even Pokemon is kind of a beat, although it's a I little know, yeah, less yeah. because Pokemon's very well, difficult. Pokemon's designed to be accessible. Yeah, because you ha- it's accessible for kids, but also there is certainly a very veteran corner who who play the game exclusively for the mechanics to beat up five-year-olds and just that's the that's the kind of people i'd, I'd have a harder time speaking to but if you want to play yeah Pokemon, i hate those people yeah <laughs> i don't hate you guys i just I, I am just certainly not equipped to talk to you but games have many different facets right and yeah it is nice when you get somebody who can approach a game with a different perspective i suppose but some games just are like Shooting McShoots, like Call of Duty Warzone. What is there to unpack with this game? I don't know. It's a microtransaction machine. How do I fill out 100? How do I fill out 1,200 words? Oh, God. Fortnite. You wouldn't want me reviewing Fortnite because I'm just going to come in with a real... I don't like that game. I was on the Fortnite beat for US Gamer for a while there. You were? I did. What was that like? It was all right. I I found ways to enjoy it. Fortnite's weird because it's become like second life. It kind of has, yeah. When I was when I was writing about it, it was still very season based. I don't know what season is going on right now. I don't know if it's still season based. It's like season eight, chapter okay. two, or something like that. Yeah, but there, I, I did admire the way that they had a story built into the game, and the story they they kind of went not exactly a realm reborn because they weren't raising everything to the ground and starting it again, but they did have something fall on, on the on the map and just completely rearrange it. I thought it was kind of interesting. And finally, Abe can ask, what direction would you like to see RPGs head in? Is there any other game in the last few years that you see as setting the direction for RPGs to come? Well, Abe can, this is what I'll say. I think that we're going to get a lot more games like Yakuza Like a Dragon and Persona on the Japanese side, and we're going to get just a whole mess of open world action RPGs on the Western side. So... We have a kind of a template, I think. And we'll continue to see old school, kind of old fashioned RPGs like Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous, which are developed for a very specific RPG fan. Yeah. But I think in terms of the big budget games, we're going to see just a lot of Witcher clones for a while. (laughs) I think so. I think we're going to see a lot, a lot of open worlds for the big stuff. But mm-hmm. it's more the smaller stuff I'm interested in these days because once in a while you just get these really fun surprises like, you know, Isle Dragon Roars as a fun game. Dungeon Encounters, not my thing, but man, some people absolutely love it. Just these these small, like, $10 releases that come onto the, the eShop. And you're like, hey, this is actually a lot of fun. Like, hey, we were talking about remakes a little while ago. Give me a good remake once in a while. I'm pretty happy. Give me, just give me a variety. Keep experimenting with things. I understand, okay, AAA games aren't going to 
blow the lid off innovation. I think you're right when you're saying it's probably going to be a lot more open world. But as long as that's balanced out with, uh, you know, smaller projects that are really interesting, like Hades, again, that was a really great surprise. I never know what's coming down the pipeline. And as long as I keep getting surprises, I'm okay. One thing that I worry about a lot is whether developers will just give up on menu-based, command-based, turn-based RPGs. Mm -hmm. Right, which is understandable. People are talking about Pokemon Legends Arceus as kind of a testbed for the potential future of the franchise. If it is absurdly successful, I mean, I don't think Pokemon Gen 9 will follow in its footsteps because I'm pretty sure Pokemon Gen 9 is already being developed. It has to be, yeah. But what about Pokemon Gen 10? Exactly. Will we get to the point where they just say, yeah, screw it. We're not doing turn-based combat anymore. We're not doing command-based combat. And you know what? I like command-based combat. You know why I like command-based combat? Because I like strategy. Yeah. I don't like action, actually. <laughs> well, I you think know, action's boring. If we do get a Chrono Cross remake, there you go. You're going to have a menu-based game right there for you. I realized recently that I don't really care about action games. I don't really even care about violence. I care about relationship building. Like I like the sense of meeting characters in a game in a virtual world and feeling like there are people that I'm getting to know and that mm-hmm. I have an investment in, and that right. by learning more about them, like that's that is the reward in itself, right? Um, I like games that make me think deeply about how I compose my party or my base or things like that. The actual combat and the action that's like tertiary to my interests. There's a reason I play a lot of Animal Crossing these days. That makes sense. I mean, I like that stuff in games, but I also like beating people over the head. So action RPGs, <laughs> I, I get a lot of fun out of action RPGs. That's why I like Trials of Mana and Secret of Mana so much. I think that they're, they're, they just feel good to play. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's a lot of innovation to be had in the RPG space. It's such a, it's an old genre. It's an old right. genre. I am curious to see where Dragon Quest Twelve goes. I feel like if Dragon Quest Twelve actually upends the apple cart the way they wanted to do with Nine, then uh, I guess, well, number one, either a lot of people in Japan are going to get very upset, or number two, that'll be a test that RPGs in general are, are going to move away from menu-based stuff, and I don't really want that. I don't think they would, because... I, I don't think... think so. I don't think they're going to risk it. It just sounded like they're going to try something new, but... Who knows how far they're going to go with that? Japanese developers aren't really domestic as focused in the way that they used to be. They're much right. more Western focused these days. But Dragon Quest is like the most traditional Japanese RPG. You just don't mess with it. It's like messing no. with the national pastime. <laughs> I thought you were going to say messing with the national anthem, which would kind of be like that too. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, RPGs have been around just for so long that people have very embedded ideas. I've seen some suggestions that RPG mechanics are a stand-in for stuff that you couldn't do back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the fill-in for more sophisticated um, mechanics that we can do now. And I like the abstract nature of the numbers and the traits because I like the strategy of it all. That is what I like. Yeah. That's why I play RPGs, ultimately. <laughs> Don't really care about the story. Every game has a story now. 
a lot of them are better than a lot of the RPGs I play. <laughs> True. I guess. A lot of indie games have really good stories. A lot of indie games do have really good stories, yeah. You know what direction I would like an RPG to head in, Nadia? Shorter. What? Shorter Short RPGs. would be nice. Not longer. Stop making them so dang long. They don't have to be 100 hours. Shorter would be okay with me. There was something I played this this year, and it was like 40 hours. And I was like, wow, that was perfect. I, uh, Even back in the day, 40 hours was insanely long. So to even think of it as like, oh, nice and short, uh, still, I'll take it over 100 hours. I just don't have time for 100 hours. I think I've said in the past that a direction I could see RPGs head in <laughs> is uh, Todd Howard was saying that he really wanted the world to feel more lived in, the characters to feel more active, mm -hmm. right? And a function of that is the AI. And as AI becomes more sophisticated, I could see a situation where effectively you're dealing with characters that feel like people and have their own lives within this virtual world. And you start to get this kind of emergent storytelling yeah. coming out of that. I could see that as a new frontier of RPGs where it truly does feel like a tabletop RPG without an actual DM. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I can see that happening. And that would be a real big change from what we got now, which is basically, God, the old RPG trope of people pacing in one, one line and saying the same thing. Those could be behind us someday. Yeah, it could make sure some interesting side quests. That I would, that's what I would say. Beyond that, something else to watch is just the absurd success of Critical Role and the kind of the renewed popularity of Dungeons and Dragons with it seems like all of my friends are like super pumped to play D&D &D now. Yeah, because all my friends play role. it too. Yeah, Critical yeah. Role's going right now. Like they have their uh, current season going. I think they're on season three at this point. And every time they come back, I'm just blown away by how popular those those people are. You know, they're fueling a whole D&D dang renaissance. And I have to imagine that D&D, &D, which is the progenitor of rpgs as we know them today would that would that that's going to filter down into video game rpgs in some ways i think so yeah all right nadia it's time for the nadia nostalgia nook and what do you got for us this week well there's no like insane rants about simon belmont this time oh man <laughs> that was the best part Give me well, my content, Nadia. There will be plenty of those in the future, I'm sure. But I was just thinking about how, since it's the holiday, um, Kat, do you have any particular, like, really good memories of playing games with cousins or otherwise distant relations you don't really see very often during the holidays and maybe it keeps you away from the family politics over in the living room? I have a few, I have a few memories like that. Um, I really only had my mother's side of the family when I was growing up. And I had two older cousins, and I got into video games because of them. Oh, that's nice. They had an NES, and forgiveness to our North Dakota listeners. There's not a lot to do in mine at North Dakota, so <laughs> play a lot, play a lot of NES, and um, I have a I have some fond memories of that. They 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 kind of grew out of it and got bored of uh. playing video games at a certain point. Uh, gave me all of their old Nintendo powers, which I went through and read kind of obsessively over time. But generally speaking, um, you know, I was the kind of kid who would hide in a room a lot anyway. So I wouldn't, I would try to avoid the fam when I was growing up. 
You know, I usually yeah. wasn't allowed. I'd usually get dragged out. Mm. But tr- I'm trying to think of, uh, we had, well, it, we, I was going to say we had both sides of the family, but with my mother's side, it could be really touch or go, depending on who was mad at whom. But I do remember uh, on my father's side, we had some family friends who I went to Cleveland for, that was my first time, my first time in the States, actually, because uh, my cousin was having a bar mitzvah. And the Indians were in the were in the World Series, and uh, this was ninety something or other. And they screwed it up. But the point they're is, the we... Cleveland Guardians now, Nadia. Oh, are they the Guardians now? Okay, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Guardians. I thought they were going to be the Spiders, but okay, Guardians is fine. That would be a better name. That would be a better name, I think. But we played Sonic Two um, before actually going, like, because when you when you go to someone's place for a bar mitzvah or something, you're not just going there for the ceremony. You're also going there for to schmooze with your your cousins from across the border or whatever. So we played a lot of Sonic 2 that that weekend. And that was a fun weekend because I got pretty far all on my own. I got to Oil Ocean Zone. God damn that that stupid level. I did not really have anybody that I could play video games with in my family. So I played alone. Aww, my sister was too young. Uh-huh. My cousins didn't care. I played a lot of video games with my dad. Actually. That's nice. It's like one of the handful of things that I bonded with him about. Aww. Actually, on that note, my dad sent me a text um, the other day saying, I'm watching Cowboy Bebop on Netflix. I heard you. I remember you liking that one. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm assuming he wasn't watching the cartoon. Nope. No, no, no. I was like, what do you think? And he goes, it's like Scorsese. I'm like, OK, if you say so. Sure. If you say so. He's like, I'm into it. It seems like the kind of thing my dad would like, actually. All due respect to my dad, he doesn't have great taste in television, so maybe he would like it. It, it kind of reminds me of how my father saw the Super Mario uh, movie, and he said, yeah, this isn't, this isn't that bad. It's not great, but it's uh, got a lot of actors I like. I mean, he loves Don Lake, and Don Lake is in it. I saw a few people going, oh, it's really wholesome. Your dad like, likes, you know, knows what you're into, and like, that is kind of nice. thought of you when he saw it. And I was like, that's true, I... Didn't even realize that he knew I liked Cowboy Bebop. But apparently it made an impression on him because sure was one of the only things I was talking about back in 2001. (laughs) Oh, man, you would have been a lot of fun to be around. That would have been great. I do have a memory. So I I, like my mom's side of the family, quite small. My dad's side of the family was huge. Mm -hmm. I remember walking into a room that was just wall to wall cousins. (laughs) All gathered around a TV. Playing Super Mario Brothers three. Ah, oh, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah, that was pretty rad. I had a good time with the the gaggle of kids. I only ever saw them once. It was for a family reunion, but I've never been to a family reunion. I don't have any plans to go immediately. Well, that was the Nadia Nostalgia Nook or Nadia's Nostalgia Nook, however you want to say it. But I look forward to whatever crazy ranch you have next time. But this oh, week yeah. was more wholesome, Nadia. I'm in a wholesome mood. You are. I mean, I'm thinking of pie at this point. I'm thinking pumpkin pie at this right now. Yeah, I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving here, and I'm always thinking of pumpkin pie. All right, it's time for Random Encounters. The news rundown. I'm just going to go quickly through some RPG headlines. We'll start out with a Mass Effect TV show. Apparently, Amazon Game Studios is in the process of finalizing a deal to make a Mass Effect TV show. Nadia, do you think it would be good? It might be all right. Uh, Yeah. 
who did you say was doing it? Not Netflix. Um, it was Amazon. Amazon, so right? They'll throw a lot of money at it. They have a track record yeah. of doing that. They're the ones doing the Lord of the Rings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're doing Lord of the Rings. I think they're doing Wheel of Time as well. Oh, okay. Yes, they're definitely doing Wheel of Time. So, because I find that Netflix's stuff tends to be a bit low budget. So, hopefully, they'll give it a little bit more because otherwise, a space thing can look a little bit hokey if it look if it's too low budget. But Mass Effect, it's great, but it has that you know lovable hokiness to it too. So I don't know. Yeah, that's the hokiness, the hokey yeah. factor, right? It might play well. I think the thing is, the world building in Mass Effect is actually really good. So if you uh, level up the writing a bit, sorry, Bioware, the writing in that, that those games just, are act, just, just needs a bit of a spit hokey. and polish. Yeah, a little spit and polish. You can have some, a pretty intriguing. The thing I'd be curious about is, would it be a stories within the broader universe, which is kind of what I want, or would it be a retelling of Shepard's story? Yeah, that's what a lot of people have been talking about on Twitter, because I saw there's a, lo- a lot of arguments between uh, Femshep and Maleshep, and someone was saying, well, want make them brother and sister. They can both tell stories within the universe. Indeed. Speaking of Bioware, the Dragon Age 4 director has left Bioware Dragon Age 4. Uh, well, God knows, it's been rebooted a couple times at this point. Who knows where it's going? <laughs> yeah, they didn't say why he left, did they? I, didn't, I couldn't it's find mutual. anything. It was mutual. a mutual thing, apparently. Well, it usually means they were fired. Yeah, yeah. It usually means they were fired. Yeah. And I'm hoping just as hard to have any sort of good feelings about that sort of thing happening in the game industry anymore. You don't want to give anyone the benefit of the doubt, even though we obviously, you know, some people deserve it. But I don't know. I I guess. What are you going to say? Dragon Age 4. I want it to succeed because I want Bioware to succeed because yeah. one of the great classic RPG studios. They got a nice win with the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It showed that they seem to be trending in the right direction. But I don't know. At this point, we might see the new Mass Effect before we see Dragon Age 4. I'm just thinking how much could he have contributed to the project by that point? Because it, every time I've seen, it's been mostly, you know, development stuff, like very early development stuff. Yeah, well, who knows? But Dragon Age 4, every t- we've only seen some concept art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It. it Seems like we're not going to get it until like 2023. It's going to be a while. Nadia, Arcane is getting a second season. Arcane was very successful. People really enjoyed it. Eric, I'm sure, would have some things to say. By the way, I, I do not include the fact that he wanted us to have uh, expletives, mumbled expletives for the Dragon Age 4 news. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. He mentioned that. He was He's a little bit upset about that. So feeling a little bit upset about that. I feel for him because every time he gets into something really hard, it, it really goes south. Like, mm. you know, vampire and all that. I know, that's me and sports teams. That's true. Everyone's got to have some suffering in their life. Neo, the world ends with you. Failed to meet sales expectations, according to Square Enix. Are you surprised or are you surprised? There were people on Twitter saying that they at Square advertised Balan Wonderworld more than they advertised um, World Ends With You. And yeah, I'm, I'm really shocked over here. And it's such a... I wasn't expecting the game to do gangbusters numbers or anything like that. But in an industry where Bravely Default 2 and Octopath Traveler and those games can actually get a pretty decent audience, even Shin Megami Tensei 5 is doing okay... Uh, it just says to me, okay, if you guys didn't get enough people looking at this game, then you've missed a beat somewhere. And it probably had to do with the fact that your E3 was all entirely Guardians of the Galaxy and Western games and just nothing really Eastern so much. The messaging around Neo, the world ends with you was horrible. 
It was. There are a lot of people who didn't even know that it was a sequel. They thought it was a, re- a remaster. Yeah, exactly. No, they thought it was a remaster. It felt like the game was Alex McCullough, who we had on the show before to talk about Final Fantasy music. He pointed out on Twitter that it felt like Square Enix, what little marketing they did was really for the World Ends With You fans who were talking about a game 16 years old. So at this point, okay, yes, you want the fans in there, but you also need a lot of newcomers to come in. And there was just not really anything there to entice them. As you said, it was very confusing messaging behind the game. And it's a great game. I loved it. I didn't finish it, but I loved it. Soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. I think that it didn't do quite enough to differentiate itself. Um, And I wasn't excited about the main character, but it did have a kick in soundtrack. And when I did play it, I was like, yeah, this is all right. I'm into this. But I had to, even as somebody who really enjoyed the original The World Ends With You, I felt like I had to be kicked, dragged in, kicking and screaming a little bit. Yeah, I don't think the marketing was done very well from any perspective. And it's really a shame because now they're going to be like, oh, well, nobody wants these weird, wacky RPGs, I guess. Uh, Goodbye, The World Ends With You. Well, you know, The Original World Ends With You was a great game and we'll always have that. So, oh, yeah, I, I can survive. So can I. Microsoft showed the letter from the time it failed to buy Nintendo, which was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I think I missed that. That must have been funny. Yeah, it's relatively <laughs> new. It's part of this new museum, and they actually included it as sort of a self-effacing. Yeah, we did try to do that. Didn't is it just like well. just? Is just like a piece of paper that says "lol" in Japanese? Because yeah, it's be a good. very it's a very specific form letter saying thank you for trying to set up a letter <laughs> with Mr. Yamauchi. Of course, we value any potential partnerships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I love that they sent Microsoft a form letter. That's just chutzpah. That's Nintendo right there. Yeah. Well, I think during the Bloomberg oral history, uh, one of the people described it as that Nintendo just sat in a conference room and laughed for an hour. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> It just I hope you kind of it, it sounded like one of those meetings where you go over to Japan and you're like, well, I have lots of time to just explore the, the city now because um, my meeting sure didn't go that well. And finally, Nadia, the analog pocket begins shipping on December 13th. And let me tell you, I am so excited about this. I'm going to oh, play so much Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem. I don't have one reserved, but I, I, I <gasps> could see why you do. Oh, my gosh. I I reserved one the second it went on sale. I still got my old GBA and Game Boy games sitting in a drawer. It's great. Oh, so you're all set. You're ready to go. All set. Ready to go. It's going to have a PC engine adapter so that I can play Ron of Blood in that thing. Oh, wow. What yeah. a great idea. A lot of shooters as well. So I, I'm super pumped. I don't know. I'm like, I got to see if there's some kind of way to get something like the FX pack. Uh, but with the PC Engine so that I can just load up a lot of PC Engine games onto that thing. Because PC Engine games in the secondhand market are really expensive. But Yeah, I've heard that they're uh, kind of crazy expensive. But, but hey, Rondo of Blood's my favorite Castlevania game. That's the one I want to own. So you'd be able to play Rondo of Blood. Well, I mean, you can play Rondo of Blood handheld if you have the PSP. But yeah, you'd have a, you'd Rondo have a good Rondo of Blood's a CD that. game, though, right? That's a problem. The original was. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was um, PC Engine CD, I think. But I remember seeing it in the advertising. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, who knows? But I, I'd like to play. I would like to play some PC Engine games because there are so many great shmups on that thing. Oh, my god. The gosh. whole thing was a shmup machine. Sure was. I just shmup. love my PC Engine mini. I'm trying to find one. It's not going to happen. I wish you luck, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have $400 on me. Thank you. 
right, let's wrap up with a couple more questions from the mailbag. These are more podcast focused. And the first one is from Teeps. You've been in the podcast game for a long time and are one of the most consistent experiences in the space. What's keeping you here? What about hosting a (laughs) podcast for a niche like RPGs brings you fulfillment? Well, Teeps, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) And there's your answer, I guess. (laughs) I thought you were going to answer this while I was like being silent. I'll go first. Um, I am basically the kind of person who, when I do find something I like to talk about, I never shut up. And I really like RPGs. So talking about RPGs, especially for an audience that's appreciative, good enough for me. I don't need too much uh, depth into my answer there. I don't like most video games, but I do like RPGs. And I can talk about them all day. And it occurs to me that there's not enough of a shall we say, nerdy corner in the mainstream RPG space, or mainstream video game podcasting space. Right. Um, with all due respect to a lot of podcasts out there that I have a lot of respect and liking for, they focus on a corner of the video game industry that I frankly don't care about, which is big budget, AAA, blockbuster style games for the most part, or shooters. Mm-hmm. And... It's a, it's a, just a very specific culture. It's the mainstream culture. And I am an inveterate nerd. And I find fulfillment in being able to talk about the stuff that I care about. Versus, I find fulfillment in being able to do a three-part freaking podcast about Cowboy Bebop. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I, I feel the same way. I mean, beyond that, podcasting is a hobby uh, for me. I do it a lot in my spare time anyway. I go on Retronauts, I go on Talking Simpsons. I've been on a lot of different shows over the years. And that's because when I was growing up, I never shut up. Um, (laughs) I just talked and talked and talked, gab, gab, gab about video games. And I have all of these takes stored up inside me that I need to share with you, the listener, until the end of time, apparently. (laughs) Well, you're doing a good job, I suppose. I mean, thank you, Nadia. The fact that we're such. A, a niche audience, um, mm. but still are, you know, knock on wood, quite successful. It's, uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, I think. It is pretty cool. Yeah, I was just thinking about like, I was like, I don't know, do I have time for this podcast? But then I was like, well, I like having something that I made exactly. myself. And, you know, I'd be kind of loath to give it up because like, obviously the Patreon keeps the podcast going and everything and like, it's really helpful for me. It's really helpful for Nadia. Nadia, like, is a, you know, she's a contractor. Like, it keeps her, keeps, keeps the lights on in many it ways. It does, yeah. But it is also, like, just something I can take pride in. Something that, you know, I made myself. Yeah, exactly. And podcasting is fun. <laughs> it <laughs> like, is, yeah. And at I mean, IGN, both- I uh, basically kicked down the door. I was like, put me on a podcast. Put me on the damn podcast. And now I'm on NBC and like helping out with their uh, their podcasting strategy and everything. Oh, that's just, good, though. I find it a really fascinating space. And podcasting itself is like, it just keeps growing. You know, it's one of the hottest spaces in tech still. So mm-hmm. definitely. So Spotify, give us a million dollar contract and we will Please. be exclusively on your platform. Oh, heck yeah. You want to give us money? We'll be on Spotify. I don't care. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm easy. I'm cheap. And uh, Vo the Raven wants to know. 
Now that we are entering the second year of Acts of the Blood God after when independent, what are some new ideas for the podcast you have going forward? Well, funny you should mention that, Vogue Indeed. Because we've been discussing that a lot ourselves, and we have a lot of different ideas. You're seeing us trial them right now with uh, this new format. We're going to be putting out a survey and kind of seeing what people like. Uh, we've tried a lot of different things this year. Yeah. We tried out uh, episode by episode Witcher Watch. We did Summer of the Rings. We did uh, Final Fantasy and Tales rankings. We did um, the Pantheon, of course, which I think has been uh, quite successful. We've done interviews. We've had some stuff work and some stuff uh, not work. We've had Charlene and Dropouts, which Nadia, of course, has done an amazing job on. Thank you. And now I think this is the point where we have to sit down and evaluate a lot of how we felt about this year's output and think about how we're going to approach the next year. Um, we're thinking about adding a new tier yeah. um, to the Patreon next year um, that will basically give listeners access to a pre and post show where they can watch us record the podcast every week. And like that would be, and like also get free merch and that kind of thing. I think yeah. that would be a fun thing to do. Uh, we're also thinking about uh, removing the early access component of it mm -hmm. and making it so everybody free P free feed and Patreon feed uh, gets access to the podcast at the same time. Because while I think it's a great value add to be able to get the news on time, I think it has actually uh, hurt the podcast a little bit on the, the actual free feed. Yeah. So it's, it's something we're evaluating, honestly. Basically, it's a whole lot of just looking up stuff, what's worked, what hasn't. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, like, we'll change very much. Like, we're just going to be here, like, shooting the shit and just yeah. having a good time about RPGs. But, yeah, we definitely yeah. want to see about uh, more merch, I think, is one thing we've been talking about. We're always talking more about merch. that. But that's uh, that's probably a pretty lucrative space we haven't really tapped into. I was also thinking about Cameo. That was a, a, um, a space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a, a poll I put up, and people seem to be interested. So... I, I do might you have do that. Uh, right wing messaging that you want uh, Nadia to repeat. I uh, am not just... doing that. <laughs> if, if you want stupid words, great. If you want like yeah. horrible, horrible political opinions, no, nah, there's someone else you can pay for. I'm sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, the 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 poll that you put up had people seemingly interested in uh, in cameo. So yeah, and the and the people who were like, well, I'm not sure. We're just like, I don't even know what cameo is because we have a lot of older people listen to our podcast, which I is think fun. we're. We're obviously going to keep doing Pantheon year two. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Pantheon's, I think, is, is going to be sticking around no matter what. And I think we have to think a little bit about how we want to tackle the specials. Yeah. Uh, what kind of content uh, people like the most. Uh, people really like those uh, those rankings for the games, the game series. And they love I rankings. That, I think the Dragon Quest one is going to be the next one on tap. That's going to be great. That's going to be a lot I'm of fun. really excited to do that yeah. one. Uh, we'll see about other potential specials that we can do. Um, probably if we end up going to a situation where the podcast is released early uh, for everybody, then the specials would become exclusive to the $5 tier. Right. So that's, that's another thing that um, we've been thinking. Uh, I think that in another thing we might be doing next year, and this might be in the survey, is broadening our horizons a little bit from RPGs. Mm -hmm. um, well, we've tended to be pretty precious about like, 
is it an RPG? Is it not an RPG? We're not going to cover it. Maybe, maybe there are some kinds of games that Nadia and I and Eric all like and that our audience like, and that we're going to talk about, you know, like, yeah, maybe this podcast isn't, it's about more than RPGs. Maybe it's about um, a particular vibe, a particular culture, particular interests. And maybe, maybe we need to just lean into that more. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that we're going to give up on the PC RPG quest. We'll keep doing that. But I think playing to our strengths more in yeah. year two might be, uh, might be the right call. And maybe not talking about Final Fantasy all the time. <laughs> yeah, we should talk <laughs> so, about it all the time. Well, I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two comes out. We'll be talking about it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And we'll absolutely do another Final Fantasy Pantheon episode for sure. All right. Well, I think that is all of our mailbag questions for this week. Thank you so much to everybody for sending one in. And I think that probably we're going to end episodes from now on with a mailbag question. So if you want to keep sending them in, we uh, will keep them stored up. Uh, we got a whole bunch of them. Yeah, we've been we've been kind of bad about answering them. So so we might uh, dig them out of the archive. I, you know, I enjoy being able to listen to you all. If we end up doing the new tier and we have... Um, we have a, a pre and a post show. We might be able to get comments directly from members of the audience and have them specifically shouted out at the end of the episode mm-hmm. as well. So anyway, it is, uh, it's about time for me to go and start enjoying my holiday. I'm not going to enjoy my holiday. I'm actually going to be working this weekend. So, <laughs> Well, y- you can enjoy the, the, the prospect of a holiday in the back of your mind. Think to yourself, like, I should be on holiday, but I'm working. But I'm kind of in a holiday mindset. Yeah. Well, I will try to play some video games. I'm going to play some Persona 5. Good, um, good. Ahead of, ahead of our recording on Monday. I look forward to that. But in the meantime, thank you so much uh, for listening to Acts of the Blood God. Of course, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Find me on Twitter at the underscore Catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at Seamoosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. He'll be back next week. I know you miss him. I miss him, too. Me too. You can support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for just five bucks, you can support the pod, keep the lights on, make us happy, and get access to a lot of exclusive content. And of course, our Pantheon is coming up really soon. It's been like a year. We're, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the podcast. It's a podcast going independent. It's incredible. We're so thankful for your support. Seriously. Absolutely. You, y'all are the best. And we've That's had a lot our of Thanksgiving. Fun. Yeah, so it's like, what keeps you going? Like, the community? Yeah, we Hello. have a great community. <laughs> what an amazing we have a great community. community. Go hang out on our Discord sometime. They're, they're wonderful people. They are. In the meantime, for Nani and myself, thank you so much for listening, and happy adventuring. Yeah.